Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gelsnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray. Well, well, um, unfortunately, going to have to uh, do a massive debrief from the the last twenty four hours or so at Rangers, the tumultuous last twenty four hours or so um, at Rangers. Just um, a wee apology: um, the fact that we never had the podcast on Friday there was a few wee issues with that, so we couldn't um, get it out, unfortunately. Um, but we are back today to discuss um, everything Rangers. Another wee apology in advance as well: I've got a wee bit of a cold or, or something around me, so if I need to call for any to sneeze, don't worry, I will mute. You might just see a wee like ping me in the background or something like that, but. Um, I will mute it so you don't need to, to hear the goings on. Um, but um, just before we get into it, then I need to introduce you to my guest. First up, Colin Armstrong. Colin, how are you doing? Hi, as well as could be under the circumstances, I suppose. Uh, I was out and about today to try and, uh, you know, get it out of the system. So I was sitting with my daughter, so we went up here for seat today. Always find, you know, a big long walk helps get it out. Uh, and this will maybe help as well. No, well, let's hope it does. And of course, you can't have Colin without Eck, can you? Eck, how are you doing? Yeah, no bad, no bad, Craig. Nice to be on yourself, mate. Nice to be on yourself. And uh, the last time I saw you on the pod, you were wearing a, a nice hat, you know. And I thought I better get, I better get, <laughs> I better get one for myself, you know. Seeing as uh, Craig's on the night, the only one I've got is this one for the two thousand <laughs> Scottish Cup final, which is uh, all about a Dutch manager. So I thought, no, that's just that's just not appropriate. You know? so, <laughs> you're just going to have to look at my balding up on the night. Very, very aptic. And uh, speaking of building apples, we've also got David Fraser on as well. David, I think this is uh, the first time we've been acquainted and I'm already taking the mic out here. That'll be the last as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, how you doing, mate, anyway? Oh, not too bad, Craig. Good shadow. All things. Uh, the lads have nearly outlined, but I will see if uh, this coin flab over the next hour or so is cathartic in any way, shape or form, but... Less of the digs, I would say, Craig. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. You know what I'm like anyway. Um, no, but um, no, thanks for introducing yourself, guys, and just a wee introduction to the podcast as well. This is obviously the Gelsnet podcast. It's an independent Rangers podcast made for uh, fans by fans, and all content is free. Um, we do obviously have the forum uh, with articles. Um, I know I had one um, published last week. I think I've got another one tomorrow at some point as well. Um, and obviously the podcast and history archive as well. You can get us over at www.gelsnet.co.uk. Um, and just before we start, just a little message from uh, our sponsors, um, who are Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial support of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that they're backing up pod. You can get them over at www.forestprecisioneng.com. And don't forget, you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Um, well, now that the niceties are out of the way, we may as well just jump right into it. Um, we know why we're here um, to discuss what happened, not just yesterday, but I think the whole picture um, as a whole. Um, Colin, I'll start with you. What sort of your take on, on the current position of the club, certainly from the, the footballing standpoint and, and your opinion on, on the manager's position just now? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the manager's position, it, it's becoming it's becoming almost impossible to defend it, really. And it? it's, uh, I mean, I've, I've been sort of advocating that, you know, we, you know, we don't react, you know, we give him a bit of time. I, I felt he'd earned a bit of time when he's, he's run to the Europa League last season. I uh, also think, you know, the injuries, the injury situation is just horrific. I, I can't recall a time when the injury situation was as bad as us. Uh, but, but that said, there's just there's just so much going on now. I mean, the, the incident with Kamara yesterday, which we're going to talk about, the, the, the standard, the, you know, the performances. I think my feeling building up to this was just get to the, the, the World Cup break, you know, in touch with them try and get some players back and give the guy a chance to, to, to rectify the situation. But it's, it's just been a, a total collapse, really, over the last few weeks. And I thought the first half yesterday we actually played okay. We looked fairly bright. Didn't create a huge amount, but uh, we looked bright. But, you know, the, the, the second half was a farce for the for the get-go. I was a wee bit surprised they subbed Kamara, obviously. But that's that's led to, to issues as well. Uh, 
you know, Leon King, I mean, obviously we hope he's okay. He took a dull one yesterday, but I mean, his, his contribution to that goal was, was a bit farcical. And the feeling with that Rangers team is when they concede, you think, well, that's it. <laughs> it felt at that point the best we were getting was a draw. You know, you just didn't feel that they had two goals in them. So, yeah, I mean, he's starting to look really lost, I think. You know, when you see him on the touchline, he just doesn't look like he's a guy that can can turn us around. So, aye, it's becoming very, very difficult to, to defend. It'll be interesting to see what the club does next. Because, you know... The, 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 People say it's easy just to sack a manager, but you know it isn't. You know you've you've got to consider the compensation. You've got to consider well, who do you bring in? You know, what, do you bring in a temporary to the end of the season, or do you actually go for your next permanent manager now? So and there's a few big decisions uh, coming the club's way over the next few weeks, and it's disappointing because you know I know domestically last season it it did struggle at times. I thought. It felt to me that the season ended just too soon last season for, for, for Rangers. I felt we were on a good run of form from sort of sort of April onwards, you know, and that, that game at Celtic Park, I thought we showed, you know, we, we, I thought I felt if we'd won that day, they'd have been sweating a wee bit towards towards the title, but the draw wasn't quite enough. We obviously beat them in the semi-final and, and there was just wee signs that you thought, you know what, once he gets his own players in, uh, once he gets a full pre-season, you know, things will improve and he's already shown that he's a good manager. We're getting us to the Europa League final. He's won us the Scottish Cup. But it's went the other way. You'd have to say it's completely went the other way. I don't just blame Gio here. I, I, part of me feels for him, actually. Uh, I think others have, have got their, 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 their share of the blame and I think some of the senior players as well have to, have to really take a look at themselves because some of the effort from some of them Look, if he's not the man for the job, that's fine. But I always think professional pride kicks in. You know, once you're on that park, you should you should be wanting to win games. And a lot of them look like they just can't be asked. I mean, Alfredo Morelos yesterday, another it's a, it was a fucking embarrassing performance. Let's be honest. I mean, me and X spoke about a year ago at that semi final against Hibs, and it feels like we're back there. You know, we, we were three 0 doing it at half time. Morelos, he didn't even phone it in that day. It was it was another like absolute. Shit, a rare performance, and we're back. We're back to square one with him, and I don't know how many times we're we're going to give him the opportunity to let us down. I'm I'm done with him. I really am. He's he's a great player, but his attitude is, is stinking at times. And uh, I think you saw that yesterday. And there was a, there was a couple of wee things he done. There was one he, he had the ball when he went across it in, and I think it went out the, out the ground. You know what I mean? And he, he just looks like he couldn't give a toss. So yeah, you know, Gio's not good enough. I, I think we can see that now. But I think there's other people involved that need to need to take their share of the blame in this. Yeah, I think you make a, a good few points there, Colin, in terms of you know the whole collective effort um, as a whole, um, and you know the fact that maybe it isn't just the manager's fault. And I know we will sort of touch on that later on um, as well. A couple of points you make, um, similar question to Colin, which your sort of summary of of what's happening now and, and, and where the manager is. Um, well, the main the main thing for me is that the manager. The way he's coming across now himself, I've spent the whole season um, so far and a few times last season as well, um, the, the back end of last season when, when, when Gio was in situ, defending him and saying that people were reading into his, his body language after press conferences and that, and I'm saying, that's, I don't really care. You know, I actually had this thing that, that to me, I, I, can't, I can't get my head around the fact that a guy who can get a Scottish club to a European final then can't beat St Johnston away even with the players that, that, that we have. I'm exactly the same as Colin. We disagree about a lot of things being common, but one thing we're, you know, we're definitely uh, in agreement about was, for example, the Champions League you know, group stage shouldn't he? We, we shouldn't let that skewer the judgment. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's something that could happen, especially to a club in their position. I keep harping on about 2012 and how we're still kind of recovering for that. Um, but... He's made a complete fool of in the last... Basically, we stood outside after the, the Ajax game at Ibrox a few weeks ago saying, look, he's got these three games, you know, and then we should make a judgment, you know, before we make any judgment, once once it gets to the World Cup break. But I think it was it was implied that we're going to win the three games, you know, and he's he's won one of them, you know. I'm the same as... I, I can't get my... I, I can't help thinking about the injuries. The, 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 I mean, the, the centre-half problem is like... You know, being a centre-half for Rangers is like being a resident of Cabot Cove or Midsummer. you know what I mean? I mean, a, a distant relation, uh, you know, Miss Marple, you're not no going to see the end of the day. 
You know what I mean? It just it's unbelievable what's been happening to the centre half. That's mitigation. You know, um, say gets a European final, qualified us for the Champions League group stage. You know, stuff that even Steven Gerrard could have done. He get three seasons. You know, but we be talking about the players' body language all season, and then with the manager yesterday in his last couple of press conferences, he just he looked like he looks like he couldn't he can't go to the place fast enough. He's now started. Maybe it's just all kind of implied. It's just all confirmation bias. But his interview on uh, Sky Sports uh, live yesterday was bad enough. But the wee actual interview with Kennedy Nidsan, the wee kind of 30 second job on the sports scene, and that seemed even worse. It's just like, you're going to be here after Christmas. Kennedy says to him, he's kind of like, ah, we'll see. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't as bad as that, but he just, the manager himself seems like he couldn't care less. And I'm doing that thing now. People have been saying, He's like Pedro. He's, he's no better than Pedro. And I've been laughing that off like, online and what have you. He's no better than Pedro. Cushinia. The best result Pedro Cushinia got was a 3 0 win at Pitodri. You know, after Aberdeen had played his after the park, you know, with three, three goals and a counter attack. This guy's won his second major trophy in 11 years. He's, you know, he's got his only the fifth European final in world history. He's got his into the Champions League, which seemed like something that could never happen again, you know, after 2012 at, at certain stages in the way back up. Um, Nothing like Pedro, but yesterday it was actually like Graham Murray stuff. You know, the stuff with, with Kamara. And I don't know about you, I'm, it's like I say, maybe confirmation bias, maybe reading too much into this, but there's a wee bit, I'm, I wasn't at the game, I said, I'm watching it on Sky, but when the Arfield is coming on at half-time and Sky are doing their bit, you know, there's a wee bit of, of programme between the adverts now at half-time Sky, and they show you Arfield coming on and he's getting the instructions for Roy Mackay about what he's going to do. He's fucking ignoring them. He's just t- he's getting his jersey off and he's walking away from Roy McKay's got the documents out and he's showing him, you know, where he, this is what we like today. And it might just be, you know, I feel like I better get my jersey on, he's getting his cell ready. You know, I've got time to look at this, I'll come back and see you later. But it just looked like he's kind of blanking him. And then when this when the second half, just before it starts, the cameras are closing up on Arfield as he comes onto the park at the start of the second half. And if you watch it back, he goes up to John Lundstrom, or John Lundstrom says to him, Hi, Scotty, and he's got something to say to him. And they might just be talking about the Rami at half time, the manager's had with Kamara. But there's a look in Scott Arfield's eyes, which is just like, aye, I know what you're going to say to me. And the two of them are just like two senior pros, Arfield being the more senior, who are just kind of saying, look, we'll just do what we've got to do here. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm imagining, I have no evidence for this, but it's this is it's got to the stage in the last two or three games where I'm just seeing such a, a lack of intent, which again could be down to, in any other circumstance, it could be down to just, you know, they're tired for last season and for then, you know, for, for what they've done this season to get themselves into the Champions League group. I mean, it's still amazing results against USG and PSV. You know, there's, there's definitely, you know, a body evidence to say the, the, the team are just run down and certainly the, the centre-half problem, the injuries are all being compounded um, by having to bring in centre-halves quicker than they're, you know, uh, they're actually ready for. But I've just seen wee things now. It just looks like it's like Graham Murty with Andy Halliday. You know, in that Scottish Cup semi-final at Park, it just looks like a man who went out of the place and the players are just going through the motions and that's why we're doing the same stuff all the time and it looks so lifeless on the park. So up until about a week ago, I was wanting to get into the World Cup and I wanted to see him take it up to January, take it to the next Old Firm game. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm seriously thinking it doesn't even matter if I'm, no up for, if, if, if I'm sticking up for Gio, no, Gio looks like he's not even sticking up for himself. No, I think I think you're you're right again. Similar to call me a lot of punch you're making there, Rick. I think um you know, I, I, sorry to crack on. I think it's funny right. that X pointed out Arfield because I'm I mentioned that to my mate yesterday. Right. Me and my mate were in the pub watching it. The yeah. minute he came on, I was like, he didn't look up for it. Mm-hmm. He actually looked to be a bit scunnered to me. And normally Arfield's someone that comes on that looks right. I'm on here to, to to help and up for it. There was just something about him yesterday, and I said to him, hey, something's not right there. And right. Yeah, you know what it's starting to remind me of? The the, the, the tail end, the fag end, the advocate strain, and there was all sorts of rumours about, you know, arguments with advocate and the, all the Dutch players doing their own thing. There was the, the, the Dutch players and the, the non-Dutch players and all that kind of stuff. Now, I know there's no Dutch players there at the moment, but it, it's starting to feel like that. It's starting to feel like the players have an opinion, but Gio's just blocking them out and saying it's... It's my way or the highway, and, it, and it's not working. And that's what it feels like to me. Uh, you're, you're seeing players that just look really, really disinterested and don't, don't want to work for that manager. 
Yeah, I think there's definitely a disharmony between the sort of playing squad and, and the coaching squad there. I mean, David, what, what's your sort of take on everything that's happening in the manager's position as well, mate? Uh, well, I don't want to um, go over the ground that the boys have, have discussed there. I, I, I think to, to try and come at the point, the manager's position is terrible. I think the, the longer the board procrastinate, the worse it's going to be for us as fans. Um, I, I'm trying to look at the bigger picture. Craig, um, I think we're a mess. I think the amount of players are out of contract, the amount of replacements that need, need to be brought in. Um, I'm looking at I mean, who, who would possibly take the job. I'm assuming that um, due to the financial structures of the club, that would probably be shown for an out of work manager rather than somebody that's in work. Um, I just see a lot of half take on the horizon. Um, the boys are totally can cover them. The, 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 there's, just, there's been there's been some development in the background. I mean, we've been talking about for most of this season. I think we've, I've been on several boards earlier on, and I think it's just didn't look right. And I think we're all trying to struggle to, to create a bit of a finger on it a bit. You know, was a disarming in the dressing room? Was it the player jailing? Was it you know? Rumours are the, the club being up for sale in the background and all that, but I think um, I think they're just coming ahead. There's, there's players going through the motions. Uh, there's players that are trying, um, but for by that, there's a disjointed look to Rangers that are lethargic. Um, I mean, they're making ordinary Scottish sides look reasonable. That's how bad that is. And uh, a number of players are, are, are making... Uh, schoolboy errors and far less I'll, I'll excuse Lee and King Lee and King's just a young boy he's been patched in um, you know we can discuss the the, the, the whys and wherefores or whether he'll, he'll make it and he's, he's preferred position in the long term but you know looking at players like James Sands yesterday I mean, he completely unchallenged I was listening at times where he's, he's gave the ball away with, uh, without a, a challenge near him just, just basic stuff like that I mean Morelis Colin mentioned Alfie, and uh, I mean, you, you can you can try and analyse his body language. Uh, you can you can question the ball bouncing off him, his attitude, all the rest. It's just the whole thing just um, smacks a a totally uh, disharmonious uh, setup. And I think you know if, if the board think that, 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 that we can limp to the end of the season and that, that the state is cool and. Um, that maybe a couple of cups might um, might uh, buy them time. Uh, I, I think they're in for a bang. I sure I to be quite honest with you. This upcoming AGM, and I think a lot of questions will be will be rightly asked unless they act before that. But even for by that, if, if they were if they, if they were to announce a new manager in the coming days, Craig, I still think that the um, that legitimate questions would be asked on the AGM, and I, I can only hope that the they see the bigger picture and they, they move quickly because it's only going one way under this guy and it's, it's not going to result in trophies, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think uh, the key word that you've used there, David, is, is disharmony. Um, I think that's quite evident. I mean, the, the place that I'm at with Gio is I, I'm going to stick up for him a wee bit here because, you know, in terms of players maybe not playing for him, I mean, I think it's quite clear that the players aren't playing for him. The issue with that is we've seen this with these players before time and time again for the last five seasons now, four years, five seasons, where these guys have consistently, over a period, let us down. I'm talking about the first two years under Gerard after the winter break, they let us down. The third season, we won the league. Okay, that was obviously great, but the Cups, they let us down. Last season, um, obviously, again, great getting to the Europa League final, but I'm a wee bit uncomfortable recalling last season a success as such. Obviously it was an amazing achievement doing what we did, but I think at Rangers to call a season an actual proper success, you need to win the league or if you don't win the league you're gonna to have to win a European trophy as well, like a big, big trophy. Um and I just think, you know, a lot of people were saying, I hey, well Gio's lost the dressing room, blah blah blah, blah. I think that's a fit fair enough comment, but could no maybe be said that Gerard lost the dressing room as well in his first couple of years and you made the point there that, you know, we gave Gerald all this time, and I think optics optics are you know a wonderful thing to look at. I think people probably say the reason that we gave Gerald time is 
you know, look at where we were before Gerald came in. We could see the building blocks, uh, blocks were in place and it was all about progression and it was getting back to the top. Whereas now Gerald's gone, when Gio came in, we were at the top and it was about adding to that. I think, my sort of thing to that would be is, how can you expect Gio to take the club forward when he's got Gerald's squad? Now, you can say that the players have been improved and all that and, you know, your key assets like Kent, Morelos, you know, Goldson, Tav had all improved under Gerard. Obviously, your McGregor's, Davises were all going to be in, in decline anyway when, when Gio came in. But, you know, and people also mention the fact that we haven't sold our key assets. Um, and one thing that I'll put that down to is, to be honest, Stephen Gerrard, I think he's the reason why we never sold our key assets at the correct time. I think we all are probably in agreement that the, the right time to sell Kent and Morelos was probably after after we won the league. The issue with that is, Stephen Gerrard wanted his cake and eat it. He put his foot down and he said, we're both selling our best players, we want to invest in the squad. And the board basically turned around and went to him, OK, that's fine. You know, We're not going to sell our best players, but you need to qualify for the Champions League in order to, to add to the squad properly. And he didn't do that. He didn't qualify for the Champions League. Um, and then people might say, well, you should have sold those guys in the summer. But the issue with that is, when you've got a year left on your contract, a lot of teams will probably just turn around and say, well, What's the point in bidding for them this summer when we can get them in a free next summer? And also as well, Morelos was injured. Um, do we even know that bids were made? We know that bids have been made for Kent and Morelos in the past and Gerard put his foot down on it. Um, so I think, you know, I think the Rangers are now, it's, it's a bit of a scattergun approach with a lot of fans. You know, oh, it's the board, it's Gio, it's Ross Wilson, it's this, that, the next thing. But none of it's really like, you know, it's kind of structured in, in the sense that, you know, people say, oh, we want Gio out. Okay, fair enough. And then why do you want him out? Well, we never saw Kent Morelos at the right time. Well, that's no Gio's fault. Um, and I would even go as far to say, is that even the board's fault for not selling those players at the right time? Because Stephen Gerrard put his foot down. He said they didn't want him to go. And from a personal point of view, I would rather that the board back the manager and said, aye, we're going to support you. If you don't want to sell your players, fine, we're not going to sell them. Obviously, you need to qualify for the Champions League. Now, the board didn't know that, you know, three months after saying, I don't want to sell Kent Morelos, Gerard's going to be going down to Birmingham. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you never knew that, but um, it is a bit of a mess, but I just thought I'd maybe, maybe get that wee bit in there. But, Colin, you touched on it earlier, um, the, the Kamara incident. Um, I think, obviously, he's, you know, he's, he's had a wee moan at, moan at half-time um, to the manager, etc. Um, again, I'm... Maybe it sounds like I'm sticking up for the manager a wee bit here. I think Kamara's chucked it, to be honest, this season. Um, he's not been good at all, apart from the PSP away game, in my opinion. I mean, for, for me, he's just somebody, you know, he's probably a last remaining big asset as such that we can get a, a pretty decent fee for. In my opinion, I think we should just, if we can get a, a bid for him in January, just, just get rid of him. Uh, I mean, I think... Th- to, to, to sort of defend Kamara a wee bit I think when, when Aribo and Bassi went I think that was obviously his, his two mates That's, that, that, that was his two sort of big pals and you know whatever and you've seen him on social media and all the rest it, it, it tended to be the two he was with so those two are away so his workplace has changed you know and that, that, that's essentially what we're talking about here we're talking about guys at their work uh, his workplace has changed his two sort of closest buddies have went so maybe that's had an impact and maybe he thought you know he was gonna he was gonna get his move as well, and it's not happened. So he hasn't been the same player this season. There's no doubt about that. He has looked a wee bit lethargic. Uh, but I, I do think, in terms of, you know, I was talking about senior players that have sort of, you know, let let us down. You know, we're not just talking about letting Geo down here. We're talking about letting others down. You know, fans that pay good money uh, to go and watch Rangers and we're paid fucking really good money this season for the, the Champions League you know I mean as, as X said earlier on I mean I think we could have ended up pointless anyway it's, it was it was just the nature of some of the performances and some of the defeats you know the Ajax game in, in Amsterdam was was really really poor thought we played okay against Napoli I thought that would, I would argue that was probably our best performance especially the first hour of that game uh, the Liverpool game at Ibrox is obviously a disaster it's just a nightmare uh, the, I didn't really expect anything Napoli away and then at, at Ibrox against Ajax we were down to the bare bones that night I felt you know so we've paid top money to, to get really really poor performances from 
uh, from some senior players. So it has been disappointing, but I don't think Glenn Kamara is the worst. I really don't. And I've always I've always looked at Glenn Kamara as a as not someone who would give you problems in the dressing room. I think as a manager, he's someone that you know will just get on with the job. So to see that he's almost well, he is in dispute with you. You know, apparently there was a a, a right sort of stramash at halftime between him and, and, and Gio and that makes me think that there's a real issue you know because that this is how many players is that this season now you know Matondo was disciplined earlier on for his attitude for the situation with Morelos now Kamara you know so you, you start to look at the common denominator and think well actually is it is it Gio is it the coaching staff is there a real issue here where players feel that the, their views are being ignored I was reading I think it was and uh, the and the athletic, uh, Jordan Campbell was saying there was an incident where Gio was having a go at Tav, telling him to do something, and Tav answered back quite sort of ferociously. You know, snapped back up as if you know I, I'm doing whatever it was about. He was disagreeing with Gio, and it, it was quite evident that there was a disagreement. You know, all these things point to a real problem with the relationship between the the, the players and the manager. And, you know, as I said earlier on, I just kind of wonder if that Dutch mentality is kicking in again. You know, the Dutch are notorious for being quite arrogant and, you know, they're, they're, they're quite set in their ways and it's their way or the highway, that kind of thing. Maybe that's part of Gio's character, I don't know. But in terms of Kamara, I don't think he's the worst. You know, he's not been at his best this season. Uh, he has looked a bit, you know, disinterested at times. But I've always looked at him an honest pro and if if there's now issues with, with players like him, I am now looking at the, the management team and thinking, well, there must be an issue. If if players who don't normally get involved in that, I mean, we expect it from else. We get it every season for him. You know what I mean? There's some issue where he's, you know, kicking off and managers are have to discipline him. That's the kind of thing you expect for him. It's not the sort of thing you expect for Kamara. You know, I mean, to hear that he was involved in something like that really made me think, right, that there's real problems here because he's not that, he doesn't strike me as that type of player. So mm. I think I think his Rangers career's coming to an end, whether it's January or next season, it looks to me like he wants to move on. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he'll get the move that he wants. If, if he doesn't want to be here, there's no point in him being here. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'd, I do kind of feel for Kamara a wee bit because, he, as I said, it doesn't really strike me as that type of player. It doesn't strike me as a, a problem character. And that he's now, now there is a problem surrounding him. You're like, whoa, right, what's what's going on here? Uh, because I, I don't expect that for him. No, I mean, I, I think you're right in the sense that I, I, I think he is the last guy. <clears throat> Apologies that, that we expect that to, to happen to. I think you made an interesting point there about the, the sort of discipline issues maybe between, between some of the players and... I know obviously you're saying they're the common denominator and I, I would assume you would meant the manager in terms of that being the common denominator but you know maybe looking at it, looking at it from a different angle um, you know these players maybe had the same issues with, with, with Gerard as well I mean obviously we know Morelos had these issues with Gerard, but when you look back how many times did Gerard actually punish Morelos I mean publicly anyway I think the only time Morelos was dropped was I think the Hearts game in the Cup right before COVID where he, he came back late for, for inter, I don't know if it was international duty or it was on holiday back home in Colombia or something like that but he came back late and, and basically Gerard went no that's it you've, you've, you've taken the piss for the last two years and you know that this is me punishing you I mean with Gio he done it pretty much through it when I was I mean he dropped him for you know what we, well, what we thought at the time anyway it was like the most lucrative game for years at the club with that, that PSV game away um, and you know maybe maybe it is just the case that the players are unhappy that that, that Gio is maybe punishing them and maybe doing it in a, in a more public way than what Gerald did maybe they are unhappy at that and you know you can say that's a, the players fault you can say that's the manager's fault I would say in terms of common denominators maybe the players are also the common denominator there as well because you know as I say, Morelos has had these issues under Gerard. He's had these issues now under Gio. Um, Alex Lowry's another one um, who, you know, I've been told has been overweight. I know I've got a cheek to call anybody that, but I'm not a professional athlete. Um, and apparently, since coming back from injury, his attitude's not been, not been great. And you've seen Gio get a wee bit riled in the press conference before the Hearts game, I think it was, 
um, talking about him and obviously putting a bad performance against Hamilton um, that night, although I heard he was, he was good yesterday in the, in the B-team game. So I, th- I think that's an interesting point. And again, it's kind of like, like who has to blame? Is it the players? Is it the management? Is it a bit of both? And for me, we talk about common denominators. I, I will keep coming back to I think the main culprits here are, are the players and the senior pros because it's not something that well, you know, with Gio, he's been here for a year now, okay, and there's been small patterns that have emerged that you can maybe say that's an issue. Fair enough, but with these players in general, it's five seasons now that we've consistently seen this from them, and I think in terms of the players, I think this squad had a role to play in Rangers history. I think this was a team to get us back to where we belonged, you know, back to the top of Scottish football, give us a more respected name in European football as a whole. But clearly these guys do not have the mentality to push on and become a dynasty, which we all thought they could have done after winning that league. We all thought that they could have done it after that. But I think it's quite clear now, beyond any reasonable doubt, that for most of those players, you know, their big thing was winning the league. And then, you know, again, I don't want to say they're not trying or whatever, but I think, you know, mentality-wise, these guys just don't have it in them to, to go in year in, year out and and win trophies for Rangers. And I'm not I'm not necessarily Gio in right now. You know, I, I don't I don't think a, a change of manager would be the worst thing right now, but I think I'm definitely 100% sort of core Gerard players out. As difficult as that is to do, because you, you can't say like 20 players, right? But... I just find it, you know, not as obviously because I think we're quite calm in our deliberations, but you see a lot of comments online slagging the manager, slagging the coaching staff, blah, blah, blah. And it seems that a lot of these players get away with it scot-free, despite the fact that, you know, they've consi- as I said earlier, they've consistently let us down now for, for for going on five years, a lot of them. And I think for, for most of them, um, it's just time to, to, to cut loose. Um Colin, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a point that you made with it there, obviously about the um, paying a lot of money this season, and that that kind of comes into the next point about the board deck, and you know we, we had the accounts come out, and look, we're not going to pretend we're, we're accounting experts, we're no Celtic fans, you know we know how well versed in in financials that they are, um, but I'll be maybe being a wee bit too hard on the board. I mean, uh, just sort of a wee overview of the figures. Um, I think it was about six million, you know, profit before tax. Um, 22 million quid came off the profits in terms of 5 million quid paid out to King, 6.5 million to Bennett, 2 million to George Lefham, 8.25 million to Sports Direct in terms of getting the club back on a sort of um, even keel in terms of the investors taking their money back. Now, in my opinion, you know, these guys have put in 85 million quid of their own money since 2015. I think they're entitled to take that money back at some point. We've obviously had a, a pretty good financial year. At the same time, though, I can understand the fans being a wee bit angry, maybe with the, with the optics and the communication at times, Zach. Um, I, I, I think even like, calling myself after that Ajax game, we're standing outside Ibrox, and we knew, obviously, it was, it was uh, we'd, we'd finished pointless, and um, we knew the, the goal difference was getting towards a record bad proportions. And we're kind of like, why are we no calling for the manager to be like this now? And we also were like, is it, is it the board then? And even without having seen all this, we could surmise, well, there's guys on, and I think, I think John McCallum said this as well in previous pods uh, here. We, you can, uh, reading between the lines, you don't have to be, you know, a genius to work out that the board were owed money and they'd be taking it back um, the first time it was in. You know, I think you actually owe them some thanks for waiting to a point where there's, you know, we've gone into the Champions League before. I'm like, right, we'll do that or whatever. You know, even though obviously it's all up to June 2022. For me, that's still the biggest news of the week. And uh, you don't get, and despite what Stuart Cosgrove would say about the reason he supported St. Johnson in 2012, it seemed to be um, he only supported St. Johnson because the book's always balanced, you know, which is always the thing that set my heart a flutter when it came to the football. I know, what's, how are the accounts, Brazil? You know, but he um, started this thing where we only wanted to be a council Rangers. Um, Kieran Maguire, I think he's the man, he's a kind of, you know, financial expert. You can get him on Twitter. He did a wee thread on the morning, kind of explain it to dumbbells like me what had happened with the Rangers accounts, uh, what they actually meant. And the bit that's, the, the, the tweet for me that stood out was, I think it was turnover. In 2018, we had basically £70 million less turnover than Celtic. And this time, it's all about square. We're all about even level with Celtic. Now that, in the space of you know four years, 
is absolutely miraculous. That's a, that's a hell of an achievement. And I think amongst all this kind of criticism salad that's been thrown the way of, you know, is it Geo? Is it the players? Is it the board? I think when we talk about Geo, you know, he doesn't know his tactic. He just kind of throws stuff at the board and sees what's, throws stuff at the wall and sees what sticks. I think it's the same with a lot of the criticism being thrown at the, at the club just now because we're no one in the league. For me, getting to a European final trumps beating, winning the Scottish title. Lose, even if you lose that final, that's nobody in the rest of Europe gives a shit who wins the league in Scotland. You only care about what you do in Europe. That's what raised our profile beyond belief. And I'm proud that Rangers sit there and we get beat 9-1 in aggregate by Liverpool and we are disgusted with our team for that. Celtic get beat 8-1 in aggregate by Real Madrid and they're greeting because they're so proud of themselves for scoring a free kick. You know what I mean? I, and they're telling you it's you know, the best performance. I'll say, I love that, I love that we're harsher in our team. We don't do any mocky stuff. We don't try to hide behind them. But contained within all this criticism of Geo and the board and all that is actually defences. It's actually our achievements are actually, I love that it ranges our achievements are actually hidden um, by the things we get wrong. We, like, we, Gerard was getting slagged rotten the first two seasons for nobody able to go and win the league. But contained within that, hidden within that, was the fact that we'd finished third in the first two seasons we get back up into the top flight. And Gerard had us finishing like a comfortable second in terms of finishing you know, further ahead of Aberdeen or whoever was in third place. And then a, we were closer to Celtic the following season. Stuff that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to ever have to have seen Rangers in that position where they needn't to claw their way back. But common sense tells you these were massive achievements. And Giovanni van Bronckhorst was under pressure in the last season because he didn't win a European final and he finished four points behind Celtic in the league title race. He threw away a lead that he created. You know, that, when you think about, I bumped into a boy the other night, George, lovely fellow, he's, he's good lady wife. They'd been in Club 72 for the Hearts game, you know. Um, and George usually is in the Broomland. So if you're sitting next to George in the Broomland, he hates it. He doesn't want to go back. He said he loved Club 72. Um, he doesn't want to go back and meet you boys again. <laughs> he had a great time and I, I get the Hearts game and he was saying his low was the the Hibs game at Easter Road. Sorry, the Wraith Rovers in the Challenge Cup final at uh, Easter Road and we all hated that day. That felt like a day we would never be in the position we are just now to be pissed off because we're definitely going to finish second at worst. We've been in the Champions League. We've been in the European final. Aye, we have to keep going forward. But I think that I think that the the club itself is getting to a stage where it's solid enough to be sold on to another board that maybe has the money that can you know, finance us to be a Champions League team uh, every season, to be winning the league at least every second season and to get in the players that we need. You're talking about legacy, you're talking about creating a dynasty. Aye, that's what we, we hope we're going to go and retain the title on that once we won it. But uh, I'm just reminded of the George Best thing. The George Best, after the 68 European Cup final, George Best lamented the fact that Manchester United you know, didn't go on and create a dynasty that Liverpool then did the next decade when they won their first European Cup. Man, you were relegated within four or five years of winning the European Cup in 68. And it's a dangerous thing. So what happens if you don't go forward, if you think you've done enough. But at the same time, that was because they were trying to, it was a target they'd set themselves after the disaster, the, the Munich air crash. They'd lost all the players. It was the senior players that pushed on uh, to get Man U to win that European Cup against Benfica at Wembley in 68. And George Best, a young guy, you know. And I think for guys like me, my age, the disaster of 2012, I thought we could lose our club altogether. We might never have a Rangers to go and watch again. You know, and to see them actually having won the league, and I, I, I know that that kind of energy would have been translating itself to the players and everything they did. And I'm no surprised that they actually took the foot off the gas, especially when their manager, you know, was taking the foot off the gas, Gerard, at the beginning of last season. It's only a natural thing, and I don't think we're a million miles away. I don't think the Celtic are any great shakes. Um, I think they're kind of deluding themselves about just exactly how good they are, but they keep getting the results. They do keep getting the results, but uh, they were in this position at the closer at the winter break last season, they were in this same position, having a jokey a draw at, at Paisley. You know, they they lost two or three games, uh, they dropped points elsewhere. You know, and they go in a raft of players. I don't think but we can get a raft of players maybe back fit for this time next season. If it's sorry for the, for the restart after the World Cup, um, it doesn't look likely that we're going to catch them, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't look it doesn't look as if it's going to happen. We're maybe looking at rebuilding, but we are not a million miles away, and I'm not that unhappy. Up, it's only up until the up until the last week I could have defended Gio. It's only Gio's actual body language himself that's making me think he wants away. Um, but I, I was actually I'm actually quite happy with everything. But I'm also as long as we keep having this energy for younger guys like yourself, Craig, younger supporters who want everything now. We need a combination of that. Plus, the, the, we kinda, the, bit, the constant reminder of the context. And I'm afraid 
old fat guys like me are always here to remind you uh, what the overall context is. But I'm not happy with the results on the part of the displays, obviously. But overall, I think the results were one of the most beautiful things. Um, the financial results this week are one of the most beautiful things that have happened um, since uh, since 2012. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I love your optimism as well, like, but I mean, in, in terms of the financial results for, you know, I, I think it was uh, Douglas Park that made the point when the accounts came out, it was about a 10-year plan. And, and Rangers, according to Kieran Maguire, are still in as a business anyway, in recovery. And I know I know we, we all talk about 2012 and you get people that say, oh, well, it's, you know, you can't talk about that, we've moved on. I mean, from a footballing point of view, I think on the pitch, that's a fair point. We're obviously nowhere near having Andy Little and, you know, big jig up front anywhere, right? But from a financial point of view, we are still, you know, dealing with that fallout. Um, even when it comes to stuff like the Champions League money and the, you know, this ten-year coefficient payment, I think Celtic get an extra six or seven million quid out of that just because they'd been in Europe five years longer than us. Um, so I don't, I don't want to be the one that says, "Oh, I will look at it." You know, we, we drew one each with money, I but ten years ago we, you know, were playing breaking and a hedge. But it's like I think from a financial point of view and. Stuff like that, I think it is completely relevant. But um, there's a, it's an undertone. Mate. There's always an undertone. Yeah. It's always pulling us back. And um, I think there's got, it's, a, it's a balance act between. Exactly. If you forget where we were, you're going to end up overreacting and getting rid of people who have actually got the best will of the club at heart. And a lot of us we don't want to take on board how bad things have been. And uh, there's, there's still a reaction to that. But um, I, it's it's it a delicate balance act. We need to be making sure we're always going for the best to win everything all the time, but also watch just who we're kind of lashing out at when it doesn't go when it doesn't go right you know mm-hmm. no absolutely I mean I, I do think you know that, that this board do have the best interest in the club at heart I think we, we can all slag them in terms of communication and maybe other things that they haven't done right and that's good That that's what you need at a, you know, a club like Rangers you need the, you know you need people to be held to account but I do think you know as we say, sort of context needs to be needs to be put out. But um, I after all that off field stuff, we'll be unfortunately to talk about the football a wee bit, David. Uh, yesterday's game, uh, we'll just touch on it um, a wee bit. Obviously, I think think we're better doing all that stuff first because I think the big issues are what people want to talk about and what they want to hear us talk about. The game yesterday, obviously, I won each draw. The thing for me was it was like the performance we, we knew. I think from the outset, basically how the game was going to go. Um, Colin touched on sort of Morelos' body language and his performance yesterday, which was just, you know, terrible and crap. Doesn't he cut it for Morelos? And I think actually St Mirren's goal, I blame Morelos for St Mirren's goal because that stupid foul that he gives away at kickoff, which is just petty attention seeking, that allows St Mirren to get the ball up to up the park, which then results in the corner. Obviously, King should do better, but it, it results for that, and you know. We just didn't look as if we could be bothered scoring after that, could we? Uh, well, I think um, I, the, the whole performance yesterday was was pretty lackluster. I think go back to, to Wednesday night briefly to try and kind of um, what I'm about to say about the performance yesterday. We obviously were scratching for form on Wednesday night and we managed to go over the Come out of the game yesterday, uh, they seem to be reasonably bright, but um, there's a lethargic element to Rangers play, Craig, which goes back further than Wednesday night. Um, I think uh, I, I look at guys like Malik Tillman, um, who uh, he's, a, he's a, a nice footballer, but he's lazy. Uh, I think he's uh, I watched uh, against Ajax at Ibrox and there's a, a clip doing the rounds on the internet where uh, I think he's lucky that the Gio is his manager and no, uh, no Joe Wallace will. <laughs> because I think Joe would have put one in his chin for uh, his absolute disgraceful lack of effort in that and passes it that play in that game but maybe that is, is down to the fact that he's no air he's no air player and uh, You've got to watch what you're saying to another club's player. Guys like Scott Wright, you know, bright and uh, passes in a play. He flatters to deceive. He's not good enough. I'm, I've, I've come out of this board since the get-go and I've, I've, I've tried to adopt a sanguine approach and, uh, but I think it's, it's time for a few home truths. A lot of the players are not good enough. 
other explosive will never be good enough. Um, those two, uh, I don't think, um, I like they deserve to be in Ranger squads. Uh, that may sound a bit knee jerk, but they'll, they'll be in Ranger squads because they're not getting in the nails. Um, I've heard people uh, point the finger at, at players like Ryan Kent about no trying, about chopping it, and what have you. I mean, it, it, you can maybe say that I'd be your point of view, but I think you seen yesterday the, the guy was trying on a penalty, which uh, was, you know, my guest was well and truly flabbered when Kevin Clancy decided to flash a yellow card at him and no get a penalty. I and wish that he's been all that Kevin Clancy's like. Well, I'll, I'll leave you to say that, Craig. But, uh, um, I look, I mean, I think we can get backwards and forwards with us. The, the performance is only, only good enough, and it stands for the manager. And, you know, they may be, as you said there before, you know, disarming and addressing and whatever. But, you know, he's the guy, the, the, the box doors we have. We can all talk about the board and, you know, Ross Wilson, he's tight to record and recruitment and what have you. But, you can only go about suit in the park. And the style of play is slow, ponderous, lethargic. Uh, just the whole thing just looks insipid. And it needs change. And the sooner we get it, the sooner we can only go. I mean, obviously, the performance was terrible. I think, as I said before, the, the worst thing is we, we expected it. We knew exactly how that game was going to go. I mean, I agree with you in terms of the style of play. I think certainly for the, you know, Maybe from the Celtic game onwards, it's just been been pretty lacklustre bar one or two maybe maybe decent performances in there. I will say maybe as a wee retort, injuries don't help, and I'm not trying. I'm not using injuries as an excuse, but I think when you've got the amount of players injured as we do, more so attacking players like Lawrence and Hadji and Ruth, I think you're never ever going to be able to play the style of play that you want. And saying that, as I say, it's no no an excuse. She'll still be going out and beating St Mirren. You should still be going out and beating Livingston. She'll still be going out and beating St Johnson comfortably. Um, but I do understand how the performances maybe wouldn't be as good as good sometimes. Obviously, Colin, David touched on it there. The penalty that was given after Mr Clancy um, booked Kent for diving was obviously given with VAR. And I, I wanted to come on to you with us because I, I remember a few weeks ago, just before, but I was introduced, we had a, a wee chat about it and you were a wee bit um um trying trying to think uh, the best way to describe it. You, you, um I don't like either. <laughs> that's the best way to you describe don't it. it. You don't want yeah. it. Absolutely fucking mental. That is that what you're aye, that's, that's what you like with the VAR. <laughs> I'm trying to be that's different. I'm glad you said it. Sends them mental. <laughs> aye. But um the thing is, since Val's came in, I think there's been five games off the top of my head. The lovely game we had a decision go for is it wouldn't have happened. The game yesterday, obviously. Um, the Aberdeen game, we got a decision. So three of the five games, we've had decisions go for us with Val, none against. Celtic have had five games and we've seen them more than recently about things. Um, I think they've only had one decision go their way with Val and that was a penalty Olivia a couple of weeks ago. And pretty much every other game, they've, they've had decisions go against them. Mostly penalties with handballs. Um, because the Celtic players seem to have this knack of like put their horns out in the box and like moaning when a penalty gets given against them. I mean, I know it's been a wee bit weird having VAR in Scottish football, Colin, but what, what sort of your, your summary been on it so far and, and, and what do you think it's been like? Uh, I mean, when I've been at the games that I've been at at Ibrox, I've, I've felt it's been quite slow mm. in coming to decisions, and that's one of that's. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone can deny this. VAR is there. Uh, it, it's for TV viewers. It's it's for it's for the fans watching at home, really, aren't it? You know, what I mean, they're the ones that, that that get the benefit of it. I, I feel when you're at the game, and I fe- and I felt this uh, sort of the, the Europa League games that was used and uh, Champions League. That I feel sometimes you're standing there a, a little bit. Well, what's going on? It just comes up VAR check. You know, potential this that. You're like, well. How did that come from? I remember that was it the Bayer Leverkusen game when they, they, oh, got, a penalty, they, got, penalty. they got a penalty early yeah. on, and it was such an innocuous sort of thing. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even remember them claiming for a penalty, and then like two minutes later, it came up possible penalty check, and you're like, at what end? What, what, what are they looking at? You know what I mean? So I, 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 I feel it's been slow in Scotland. Some of the decisions have been really slow. 
Uh, I've never really been a big fan of it. You know, it, it's, it works. Uh, I remember watching a game in, on the telly and it was a German game and it seemed to be a bit slicker over there. Uh, we're obviously just, just starting using it and, you know, you're going to get the teething problems. But I just look at the Premiership over the last couple of years since it's been in and every episode you watch Match of the Day, there's issues and, you know, people complaining and it, it, it's just not for me and I, I don't think it ever will be. Uh, to me, it's just an extra layer. I've, I've wondered, I can't remember who suggested it. It might have been Ross. Who, who used to used to host the pod? But someone said to me about using it in the same way that tennis use it. You know, you've got three sort of strikes of saying we want that checked. I think that would be a good way of using it. You know, then it's down to the teams. It's down to the captain to say, right, they've just got the goal. We think it's offside. Can you check that? Or we think that was a penalty. You know, you can challenge the the the, the on field decision. Uh, the now, I just feel it gets involved too often. And I, 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 I just, I'm not a fan. And that's it. I, I, and I don't think I ever will be. I get that it worked for us yesterday. Uh, but there, are, there, are, there have been decisions that I've thought, shouldn't you need VAR for that? You know what I mean? That's it's so blatant that you, you shouldn't need VAR for that. I just think we, we should focus on uh, increasing the, the standard of the referees in this country. Because at the end of the day, VAR is still... We're looking for this perfect system that's never going to never going to be there because but human error is always going to creep in you know someone's going to see something and, and make a call that's wrong and that's it you know goal line technology that's great the man at the ball crosses the line the referee's watch goes boom that, that's pretty much perfect with our it's human error and you're always going to get it so it's never going to fix it and look at that shower over the road of it you know what I mean They've just been all over it the minute the minute it's arrived. You know, they've had no real decisions that have cost them a game. And every single week, Sutton, Hartson, Tom Boyd, all the usual nuggets. That the minute the game finishes, you know, they're all over VAR. And we know what they're saying. You know, we know what they're implying with their complaints. Uh, and that's what pisses me off. I, I just don't think our game is mature enough for VAR to be honest with you I think it's there's so much pettiness up here that it's just it's just going to make it even more tedious I mean I think your, your last point there about Celtic is quite funny I mean it's just that for me as typical Celtic do you know what I mean it's like when decisions are going against you and you're winning the games you know get get it in people's ears that you're still you're still the victim because that means that you're doing something in spite of something and then when you eventually get a decision against you that costs you points you know then it's a big conspiracy it's yeah. like Celtic well, I mean how many, how many trophies have they won over the last five, six, seven, eight years I know you know what I mean and, and they released, the, the fans released a documentary about refereeing decisions when they were yeah. on the cusp of winning like their seventh league in the, on the bounce no, it's it's and that's the Celtic are in a sort of they're in a unique position where they're, they're, they're kind of the establishment club in Scotland. You know, they're the club that's been sort of dominant over the last few years, but they still want to play the underdog and they still want to play the victim. Mm-hmm. And and you know what really pisses me off? They get away with it. No one, no one really challenges that uh, sort of narrative from them in media. No one picks them up and says, "Well, wait a minute." You know what I mean? You've won X amount of trophies. VAR hasn't cost you any points. He's a nine points clear going into this break. What's your problem? But no, they just they're, they're just allowed to, to to do what they do. Aye, and I think one thing as well is: is any Celtic fan or anyone at Celtic actually considered that the decisions made against them might actually be the correct decisions? Because, well, looking back at them, I mean, I never seen the. Uh, the penalty incident for the Ross County game at the weekend, but as far as I'm concerned, every decision that's been given against them has been the right decision. So, aye, uh, but there you go. Um, just before we finish up, then we do need to talk about the future. Um, no, no, can I, sorry, can I, can I say that, that, that's, why, that's why we need VAR. We need to aye. apply every single bit of objective refereeing we possibly can. We can't give in to Celtic because they will do that yeah. all the time. They want a fucking league title by shouting louder. They mm-hmm. want this whole thing where they act completely petulantly. And they're like totally de- denying reality. You can't. VAR is no perfect, obviously. You know, but it's another way of analysing. We, we are sitting here thinking, what are they complaining about? Because we can actually see it because there are television cameras in the grounds, mm-hmm. and you're using them to highlight the fact that what they're complaining about is bollocks. Uh-huh. You know, we can't. We can't let them. Let, if you imagine, if we'd actually, even if we'd been in Celtic's position in 2020 when the, the season was curtailed because of COVID. 
you know, when they were like nine points clear or whatever it was, if we'd if we'd called a league title in our favour, eight eight games unplayed, it was nine games we hadn't played. That would be a complete meltdown. That would never have been allowed to happen because they have this political power just now. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need to have VAR and any other kind of method of analysing what's yeah. actually happening because football, because football is so subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I love about VAR. It's shown folk that basically it's to, it's it, it relies on subjective. The whole handball thing, mm-hmm. it's all been obfuscated in this kind of VAR general argument you know it's just the r and var stands for refereeing it's just it's another tier another method of refereeing it's like a you know a linesman or whatever adding something to help the referee on the park yesterday we completely benefited from it we benefited it from it all the way through that run we had in the, the europa league last season mm-hmm. and some of the some of the, well, the the goal we got against Bronby, for example when we beat yeah, them that was a, Nobody, a ball here no even no even even no, even the, the players, no, even what the guys analysing on television thought it was anything other than a mile offside. Mm-hmm. And the VAR goes on, and it shows everybody that it was actually completely onside. You know, mm-hmm. so stuff like that. I, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. The, the, the delays it's causing, you know, that absolutely, you know. But to me, thirty years ago, the you know, the pass back rule came in. So we've been we've been getting faster games for the last thirty years, anyway. As far as I'm concerned, we need something to slow it down a bit to my pace. But no, <laughs> I think if you've got if you've got cameras in a stadium. You'll get teams like Celtic using that evidence, whatever they can. We had seen a World Cup final decided by VAR. The Italians used it in 2006 because mm-hmm. there was televisions in the stadium in the World Cup final when Zidane right. put the heat Materazzi because they have that Celtic attitude of running about, complaining, making sure the game doesn't restart until they've put enough pressure on somebody to say, going to get that, going to get that decision for us. Right. So we need to make sure it's at least Celtic are going to keep being Celtic. You know, Colin's absolutely right. It's there. It's an article of faith with Celtic fans that they have to be subjugated and they've shat themselves. <laughs> what happened in 2012 to us should have happened to Celtic as far as they're concerned, in a way. You know, it should have been the Queen, you know, HMRC was, you know, putting them out of business. That's the narrative and it's really messed them up uh, that it happened to us and they've been the big bad team, you know, so they need to up this ante. And you're quite right as well that what they're doing just now is they're fixing the roof while the sun shines mm-hmm. until the day get a decision that goes against them and they can say, well, we've been saying for the, the very start that this is this has been against us. We can't give into this stuff. We've got to keep applying every method of cold hard analysis to football we can, while Celtic are trying to shout it down and just greet the loudest until somebody gives them a league title. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's for me. VAR is a part of helping us towards that. You know, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's going. To, if folk don't like it, it's going to go anyway. You know what I mean? But I've, I've quite enjoyed that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I think the, the decision that made me laugh the most was uh, the Jota one, the offside against Motherwell. And it's like, we get the TV angle was bad, right? But trying to explain to a Celtic fan that the angle that the referees have in the VAR room and the angle that you're showing in TV are two different angles. They use a the Hawkeye system for the offsides, right? So if you're offside, you're offside. There's no question about it or not. Now, obviously, the angle that we were showing in the TV and all that, you know, it's debatable whether he's offside or not. If you're like that, you can't prove that he is, that you can't prove that he isn't. But they use a different system in the refereeing room. Do you know what I mean? It, which shows you're, you're offside or not. That's why, if you notice, see we offside decisions with VAR. The referee just does that. He doesn't go and look at it at the telly because it's we offside. You're it's it's you know black or white. You're offside or you're no offside. With penalties, handballs, fouls, blah, blah blah blah. The referee will need to go and look at it again and make his decision because obviously, you know. That's down to interpretation, but we're offside. You're either offside or no. And I think that's, that's what it's done. Out. I think that's what it's done. It's actually showed folk what the rules are. Football, mm-hmm. football doesn't exist without the rules. Right. And that's what helps it be a, a beautiful game. You're playing within the rules, you know, and be, even bending the rules as part of the game. You know what I mean? But it, it's, it's actually showed folk exactly what they don't want to know, which is you can be offside by a toenail or whatever, because the rules have got to start at some point, you know. And um, I'm just trying to show Colin. I'm always accusing him of going getting too uptight with VAR. I'm just trying to be the one that's going mental with VAR on the night. <laughs> No, that's good. Um, but I, David, just um, on, on the future, then, I mean, I know you've made your position on the manager very clear, but I, th- I think we've heard rumours tonight about a press conference tomorrow and all that, which is just total nonsense, by the way, to all the, the viewers at home and, and across the world. Um, you know, we're not saying that he will or they won't get sacked, but there's not been a press conference that's been called for tomorrow. So um, I don't know if that's put people at ease or just made people more angry. Um, you can be the judge of that. But, um, David, let's move forward then in terms of how, how we how we progress with the season. And 
let's just assume that Gio's going to be there because I, I genuinely don't think the board are going to sack him right now. And I think that's whether people want it to happen or not, I think obviously that's one thing. I think the actual act of it happens in another. So if he is still in charge, let's see him see until the rest of the season. How how are we supposed to, to sort of kick on and, 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 and you know what would constitute actually success for, for moving on now? Uh, success would be would be a, a repeating a last season in reverse. Probably you could leave aside uh, a European run. Um, but I uh, we, we certainly want to reduce the arrears to Celtic. Um, that goes without saying. I think the style of play needs to improve. But as you rightly mentioned earlier on, Craig, um, we need players back. You know, we're, we're missing players. So that'll obviously have a, a bearing on, on how uh, fruitful the recovery might be from an earlier expression. I think going forward, more on the basis that, that Gio remains in situ and as the manager to the end of the season, I think the, the, the focus shifts now onto Ross Wilson and the scouting department uh, about who is going to come in and replace the players that are out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, there's a raft of them. Um, as players like uh, our players like Philip Holland and Ross, uh, Ross uh, excuse me, Ryan Jack going to be offered new deals. Are the players that uh, like Scott Arfield, Stephen Davis, and Alan McGregor are they going to be offered new deals? I would like to hope not. Uh, you know, you can maybe maybe see a case for for Scott Arfield slightly, but, but Stephen Davis, I think, is is. I think his time is as a Rangers player is due to come to its natural conclusion. So, and he's one of many. Um, I think recruitment has to be better. You, know, you guys have been mentioned that there are about other uh, criticism of the board's fair you know, with regards to the financials, but all that's well and good. And, and it's, it's, you've got to bear it in mind and try to come to a balance and a reasoned um, approach to what's went before. But, I think it's fair to say that, we, that the board have been guilty of squandering a lot of money under several managers with some of their, their patchy recruitment. And uh, I think that it's high time that the recruitment side of things is, is vastly improved. Now, um, I'm looking at Radvan Yilmaz. That's a guy that came in for, for, for very decent money, reported you know, in, the, in the press, hardly featured. Um, for you know, for whatever reason, whether the manager teams are not good enough or not ready yet, or whatever, we can't afford as a club, given financial fair play and homegrown talent uh, or homegrown trained structures that are placed upon us, um, which are you know every club subject to the, the participation in European competition. That means the you know the, the pressure to get things right and uh, the transfer market and the recruitment side of things all the greater. And I think that's something that we need to up the ante on. Now, the director of football may well have done his remit to the board in terms of, you know, bringing in money for players and uh, the club qualifying for the Champions League. But when money's so scarce, we've got to get our recruitment absolutely spot on. Yes, there's, you know, there's, there's going to be slippage. The odd player might not come off. But there have been too many players have come into the Rangers squad, especially this season, who have not had the ground on it. Robbie Matondo, he looks, he looks up, he's, he's won a competition, he got, he got a spot in the Rangers squad uh, for a lot of, pe- lot of people. Um, and the recruitment's just going to be better, Craig. And we've got a lot of guys that there's going to be a turnover next season for, for whoever, whether it's Giovanni Van Bronckhurst or any other person that's, that's in the, the managerial hot seat. So we've got to get that right, and I think if if we uh, we make some decent uh, pre-contract agreements, maybe in the close season, that might go some way to to quell the disquiet amongst the supporters. Because there's, you know, as you guys have discussed at length, there's, there's a multitude of factors which are contributing to the you know the disgruntlement amongst the support. A lot of off the field, but. For the most of this, we be concentrated on the field. Uh, recruitment's a factor uh, and an input into what's going on on, say, on the pitch, and it's going to be there. Great. It's a sample of that. 
No, I think that's a, a good point to end on in terms of being better. And it's certainly going to be an interesting sort of few weeks and, and months ahead at the club. So, um, guys, thank you very much um, for joining us. And that's it, everyone. That's us, not just for for a week or a few days or whatever. That's us until after the World Cup. It's a weird, it's a weird World Cup, you know, and, you know, Qatar, where, you know, they've got their human rights in order um, in the winter as well. So, it's a, it's a strange one, um, but that's us until then, um, in terms of our, our sort of normal weekly pods. I believe we will be looking to, um, over the World Cup break, have um, a couple of these sort of feature pods um, just to keep you entertained. And um, I think we're going to probably try and do that maybe at the same time as the, the sort of less than popular World Cup games are on. So maybe when like, Qatar are playing Ecuador or something like that, and you don't want to watch that, you can come and listen to us ramble on about something Rangers related. Um, and just a wee uh, reminder, guys, you can you can keep out um, keep up on the, the Twitter page and the forums over at gelsnet.co.uk and we'll let you know about it. Um, but all that's left to do then is thank the guests for coming on, Colin. Thanks very much. Eck, thanks very much. Pleasure. David, thanks very much. Cheers, Craig. Thanks very much, guys, again, and uh, we'll see you after the World Cup. I've been Craig Gray hosting the Gelsnet podcast. Bye for now.